This episode of Tear Sheets Payments Podcast is sponsored by Quavo, your automated partner in a fraud and disputes world. Hey there, welcome back to the Power of Payments Podcast. I'm your host, Ismail Umar, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Eric Rosenthal, Vice President of Corporate Development, Strategy and Partnerships at Rapid. Rapid is a London-based payments firm that markets itself as a fintech-as-a-service platform, which provides APIs to help businesses integrate local payments and fintech capabilities into their applications in a simple way. The firm allows e-commerce companies, tech firms, and financial institutions to embed localized payments capabilities. Rapid has built a global payments network that allows businesses to accept payments in over 900 different local methods, including bank transfers, e-wallets, and cash in more than 100 different countries. In our conversation, Eric talks about the meaning of fintech as a service, how Rapid caters to businesses of different sizes, including major firms like Uber, what American companies can learn from payments firms in Latin America, Asia, and Europe, and how startups in the space should try to deal with the current downturn. So here's my conversation with Eric Rosenthal. Welcome, and thank you for taking out time to speak with me. Could you start by introducing yourself and talking a little bit about your professional background? Most definitely. So my name is Eric Rosenthal. I'm currently in charge of three functions at Rapid, the Corp Dev function, what we call network and e- network uh, relationships, which is ultimately the function of managing all of Rapid's downstream partners. And then the last function is ecosystem and channel partnerships. I've been with the company for approximately four and a half years, actually getting close to almost five years that I've been with the company. Um, I originally started in my with Rapid as the eighth employee and was charged with opening up the operations and the commercial focus of the company in the Americas in 2018, where I led that function for the better part of three years. Prior to joining Rapid in 2018, um, I spent a number of years working in another fintech startup, uh, actually in the early days of crypto and the early days of blockchain technology, a company called Abra, did that for a few years. And then prior to that, had a series of different positions at McKinsey, Citibank, and First Data across private equity, strategy, and um, corporate development and venture. Um, and actually, the early part of my career, I spent in public service working across a variety of different regions, working on issues of economic development and such. Uh, from a personal perspective, which I think is very much entwined with my professional background, Although I was born and raised in the U.S., I spent the better part of about 13 years living overseas across Europe, Latin America, North Asia, Southeast Asia, and then back to Latin America. And I've been back in the United States for approximately eight years, previously based in the Bay Area, and as of about a year ago, based in Miami. Wonderful. So maybe let's talk a little bit more about Rapid itself. Um, so can you tell us why you decided to join Rapid uh, initially and, and what need does Rapid serve in the payments industry? Most definitely. So from an industry opportunity perspective or from a market opportunity perspective, the primary reason that I chose to join Rapid um, was during my time at my previous company, we were very fortunate in 2015 to be one of the first blockchain, crypto, Bitcoin companies that receive institutional funding um, from a variety of 
very very renowned investors, including American Express. So as a result, we had a very large spotlight on us. Uh, and what was quite common during those years, 2015 to 2018 or 17, was companies from all over the world would come to the Silicon Valley and do a bit of innovation tourism and will want to meet companies that were doing um, a variety of different, let's say, endeavors and wanted to understand that. And one of the number one things that um, companies would ask for was, what we find what you're doing is very interesting, but would you be willing to white label it? What we find what you're doing is very interesting, but would you be able to give us access to your technology, to your network or whatever it might be? That coupled with my experience uh, previous to joining the startup, uh, working at First Data, I was part of the team that was facilitating or helping Apple launch Apple Pay in the early days of Apple Pay. Um, and Apple similarly as well came to First Data looking for infrastructure. Uh, and upon sort of looking around during that period of three to four years, it was actually not really readily available to have financial infrastructure as a service. Um, so when I got connected to Arik, who's one of the co-founders in 2017, um, he was just in the beginning of the process of pivoting away from being a B2C company to being a B2B company. Um, and it consequently felt like a great opportunity to one, facilitate, and help the company pivot away from being B2C and go full on into B2B um, and really shape the story of the company. Um, and ultimately as well, having had so much international experience and really understanding the complexities of so many of these different markets and the proliferation of payment method types and different regulatory frameworks and the like, um, I was very keen on finding an opportunity that gave me global exposure, particularly in light of the fact that despite the enormous amount of diversity that exists inside of the US and exists within Silicon Valley specifically, ironically, many companies end up becoming very American-centric in their go-to-market. Um, so it felt like a great opportunity from a market opportunity perspective, as well as one that would leverage my personal and professional experience. Awesome. So I think you also mentioned this a little bit. Uh, Rapid describes itself as a fintech as a service platform or a financial infrastructure as a service platform. H how would you say yep. that's different from banking as a service or from embedded finance? You know, ultimately, I would say we would like to believe that we are one of the first companies to begin coining the term fintech as a service uh, and as well referring to this notion of AWS, a fintech. Um, when I joined the company in 2017, we really struggled quite literally with the ability to express what we were doing. And we'd be searching for analogies. We would say, hey, we're the Twilio payments, we're the AWS of this, we're payments as a service. Um, and it wasn't really until 2018 when we hired our now current chief marketing officer that we went through a process to be able to really articulate in a very clear manner that we were referring to FinTech as a service. Um, the reason that we refer to fintech as a service rather than banking as a service, as well as rather than embedded finance, um, is that we see banking as a service and embedded fintech um, sort of as subsets of fintech as service. Not all solutions require a bank account. Not all solutions require a bank. Um, particularly once you leave the United States, you see a, a proliferation of a variety of different regulatory frameworks um, from governments precisely to actually remove the dependency on banks in order to facilitate certain types of financial services use cases with specialized lending licenses, specialized payments licenses, specialized e-money licenses. Um, so really the focus uh, away from banking as a service 
was because we believe that the opportunity is much larger. Banking as a service as well, for better or for worse, very much seems to refer in most cases to debit and, and credit cards, um, as well as really a very finite reliance on a bank, um, where we're also seeing across, even within the world of networks, Visa MasterCard, for example, uh, enormous focus on both of those entities on in embracing non-bank financial institutions um, and allowing principal membership and associate membership for non-banks. That's sort of why not banking as a service. Why not embedded fintech? Um, because we also fundamentally believe as a subset. Um, there's an enormous market opportunity and consequent market need to solve payout use cases, collections use cases, uh, to solve card issuing use cases, where yes, you're using an API and you're from a technical and perhaps linguistic perspective embedding the solution into uh, a company's workflow into a company's um, checkout or or payout workflow, ARAP workflow. Um, at the end of the day, embedded finance, I think, is more of a holistic, a generic umbrella term um, that tries to really correctly um, highlight the fact that there are numerous digital communities, both consumer and business. Um, that have the opportunity to monetize their user base in additional manners. And by embedding financial solutions into that, it enables companies to do that. With that said, that is really, it is a market that we serve, but it's a subset of what we do as well. So when we describe what we do, we say we do cross-border payments, which is very similar to a handful of companies out there. We do merchant of a record, payments where we're collecting funds so that companies don't need to set up entities where they, um, in every country they want to engage with. That's a subset of our business, but it's actually one company. There's a variety of competitors in that space. We do card issuing, we do wallet services, we do FX services. Um, so really the reason that we refer to FinTech as service to sum it up is we feel that it's the largest all encompassing um, term. Right, that makes sense. Um, so now let's talk a bit about Rapid's customers. Um, Rapid caters to a lot of different businesses, including major companies like Uber and Ikea. Now, if we take the example of Uber, what kind of problems is a firm like Uber trying to solve when it comes to payments? And how does Rapid work to solve those problems? Rapid has a variety of different client types. When the company first started, um, we were very, very focused on these enterprise type of clients, the Ubers, the corner shops, the Rappies of the world, um, where we were solving something for them that was very difficult for them to a certain degree to solve on their own. One was global coverage, multiple payment flows in, out, holding funds in the middle. Um, and as the company has evolved, meaning rapid as well, the company, we continue to serve that client type. Um, where they're coming to us because they might want to collect funds uh, across multiple geographies and bring them all back to one specific uh, settlement hub because they want to be able to collect funds across multiple geographies uh, but continue to settle locally in each of those geographies. And what they're looking for is a single technical connection, a single contract, and most importantly, single reconciliation. Um, as a company has evolved, uh, Rapid now serves commercial size clients, which 
are in many cases, I think a significant component of our portfolio is made up of venture-backed companies um, that are scaling very quickly and have realized very similar to larger enterprise companies that when you have finite resources, you don't want to be spending those finite resources, particularly in the case of product and engineering resources, um, to connect to multiple vendors. It makes way more sense to minimize the number of relationships you have with third parties um, from a bandwidth perspective and only from a cost perspective. Um, and as well, it makes sense to do that because it allows you to scale very quickly. Um, as of about a year and a half ago, um, Rapid expanded as well into what we qualify or, or call the SMB segment, um, mainly focus on companies that are looking for collection solutions, AR solutions that are selling either domestically across Europe, but they're trying to integrate multiple payment method types, or they're selling cross-border. Um, and probably most increasingly will be providing the necessary infrastructure for channel and ecosystem partners, call it ISVs, um, that want to take Rapid's capabilities. And yes, using that term that you referred to a second ago, embedding our collection service capabilities, whether it's card acquiring, SEPA, faster payments, virtual accounts, whatever it might be, so that they can offer those solutions to their underlying clients or what could be called submergents. This episode is sponsored by Quavo. Quavo's cloud-based dispute management software, QFD, is a solution that focuses on automation and allows financial institutions and fintech organizations to reduce losses, ensure compliance, and deliver real-time resolution, all while significantly reducing operational overhead. Stop letting manual processes and regulatory deadlines hold you back. Quavo is your automated partner in a fraud and disputes world. For more information, head over to quavo.com. So an important area of focus for Rapid is around building a global payments platform. So can you talk a bit about Rapid's expansion into international markets? Um, which countries has the firm expanded into so far? And, and what's the strategy for launching into new countries? So Rapid... At the end of the day, um, in many cases, was very fortunate as a company in 2017-18 uh, to mainly focus, if not exclusively focus, on building out the rapid network. Um, so a significant, I would say, 80 to 90% of our market expansion um, actually happened in the very early years of the company um, because it became very similar to other payments companies, a bit of a chicken and egg, which is you cannot come to market and offer a global proposition. If you say, well, we're only present in five markets in the Americas and in two years we'll be in more markets. Um, so so you can say that we front-loaded the market expansion. And at that point, um, we were very much inspired, driven by the fact of following some of our early clients and going where they needed to go um, or being where we expected them to go. Um, looking at macro dynamics, Population size, money flow, whether it was B2C flow, C2B flow, B2B flow, um, and really chose which markets we would go into in that regard. Um, so we're present, I think, 16 different markets across Latin America, obviously U.S. and Canada, across all of Western Europe, across both the Southeast Asia, uh, as well as Northern Asia. I think that the question um, is, 
when does Rapid make a further investment in certain markets? So there's certain markets where we're only present in the sense that we can collect funds or disperse funds into that market. And then there's other markets where we can hold the currency, we can hold funds in market, we might be licensed um, as a custodian of record, we might have our Visa MasterCard bins. And that has really been the focus in, in a very small subset of markets, Singapore, US, uh, Europe, after Brexit, that became UK as well as continental Europe. And then really choosing markets where there's a huge market opportunity, um, being Mexico and Brazil. So as of now, we refer to those as our settlement hubs, um, where we're trying to be as full stack as possible. Uh, and then the other 100 markets that we're present in, we're present, but it doesn't mean that we have salespeople. It doesn't mean that we have entities. Um, what it really means is that we're able to transact with those markets. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit about your international experience. Um, you spent over a decade working in different parts of Latin America, Asia, and Europe uh, before moving back to the U.S., can you share with us what you learned during your time abroad about how payment trends in these different regions compare to those in the U.S.? And if there are things that U.S. firms could learn from these countries when it comes to payments? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll start with this latter part of the, of the question. I think the number one thing that American firms can learn um, is not everyone's carded. Um, not everyone has access to credit. Um, and while Visa and MasterCard are very, very important players um, and of making huge strides in their ability to embrace um, this concept of being a network of network um, relative to other markets, American companies, American consumers still are very focused on bank issue cards as a primary means of payment. Once you leave the US, um, what you see is a proliferation of different payment systems, whether it's faster payment systems, whether it's using bank clearing systems, uh, whether it's using cash, whether it's e-wallets, whether it's mobile money. Um, and ultimately what you realize is that there are thousands and thousands of payment methods out there or payment rails better said, um, and ultimately, the key learning for American companies, particularly those going overseas with their business, is you have to meet your end user, whether it's a business or um, a consumer, where they are and where, using the methods that they're accustomed to using to engage in commerce with you. Um, I think too often than not, um, American companies um, sort of start off with a very U.S.-centric view um, and then realize that it doesn't necessarily work once they leave. Um, so currently, there's obviously a lot of talk about the current fintech downturn with investor funds drying up and mass layoffs happening in many parts of the industry. How do you think the situation is going to impact Payments firms in particular, um, how does Rapid plan to deal with this uh, current downturn? And, and how do you think startups in the space should try to get through this period? Um, so Rapid is very fortunate that we raised an enormous amount of funding 
uh, prior to what is a change in, in the environment. But I think it's important to consider and remember that despite talk of uh, the recession, uh, despite very acute macro indicators with regard to inflation, um, at the end of the day, uh, venture funds, sovereign wealth funds, and call it those that are investing into venture-backed companies, um, continue to have an enormous amount of drive power. Um, so it's not that there's no money available. It's just that you're seeing a shift um, and a diversification of investor funds into a variety of different asset classes. Um, but the subset of those investors, because of their mandate, um, can need to continue to deploy capital, and they will continue to deploy capital. So I think that what's really changed in the environment is there is a there's a feeling six months ago that everyone was getting funded. And now there's a bit of a feeling of a subset of companies are getting funded. Um, so companies that have strong metrics, companies that have large adjustable markets, companies that have strong management teams, um, we're still seeing them getting funded. What we're also realizing or seeing is that companies like Rapid become to a certain degree more important for companies because as uh, and this is similar to what we saw even during COVID, is that as you saw some countries in lockdown um, flow or commerce flow would fall drastically in certain regions, and therefore companies were shifting their focus to other countries that were perhaps opening up or already open. Um, I would expect the same to continue to play out, um, where the impact of the global economic um, uncertainty that currently resides um, in the market is not uniformly happening across the world. So you'll see companies concentrating in certain geographies um, and really needing a way to sort of quickly shift that focus. Um, as a result, I think that one of the other key pitches that we talk about as Rapid uh, for startups is, do you really want to be spending finite time and energy and ultimate resources, particularly in, in this market? Um, doing payments integrations rather than building your core product. Now is really a great opportunity to leverage companies like Rapid that simplify what would otherwise previously have been a build decision. Now is very much, why don't we just buy this service? Um, sort of generic advice. I think the generic advice is um, similar to what anyone probably is hearing already today, which is conserve capital, make smart investment decisions, um, focus on measurable results, um, and ultimately as well, understand that even if you continue to be focusing enormously on growth, you need to have a good answer to the question of how do you get to profitability? Not that you need to make that shift per se, but you need to have an answer uh, and line of sight of how you would get there if you needed to. Right. Um, and now I'd like to hear about future plans at Rapid. Where do you see the firm headed in the next couple of years? Uh, what's what's on the horizon? Um, sometimes there's a feeling internally at Rapid that there's so many different things happening. Um, it's hard to really say, where do I start? Uh, but I'll, I'll list out some of the things that we've done that I, I believe will give an indication of where we're going or where we'd like to go. So one is... We were the first company, uh, Israeli company, to open up a presence in Dubai. So we now have an office. 
Um, we're building on an engineering hub, a product hub, as well as pursuing getting our license there, um, which is probably an indication of where we'd like to be in the region, which traditionally for an Israeli company would have been impossible for geopolitical reasons. Um, we still have three to $400 million on the balance sheet that is fully dedicated to doing M&A. Um, we've completed three acquisitions over the past 18 months, and we would expect to complete two to three uh, over the next 12 to 18 months as well, um, with a focus on the U.S. market in Latin America, places where we're looking for targets. Um, so expect to see activity and consequently us being one of, we call it the, the top players looking for market consolidation opportunities. Um, I think that what you'll also see is a significant expansion of Rapid's uh, focus on two, call it three segments. So one is uh, channel and ecosystem partnerships. Up until now, we really have not distributed our product through partners. It's been very much a direct sales model. So expect to see a significant investment in our partnership program. Expect to see a significant investment in our SMB uh, segment, even further than what we have already had in, up until today. Um, as well as lastly, a market that we've actually been serving for quite some time, but haven't necessarily focused on it from a market awareness perspective on B2B payments. Um, Rapid has one of the world's largest virtual accounts networks, uh, as well as a very large payout network um, to be able to support payment sizes of anything from $1 to multiple millions of dollars. So uh, expect to see also a focus there. Uh, and ultimately as well, expect um, to see more and more, I think, companies uh, looking to replicate what Rapid is. It's just been a great thing to see as an early employee, the number of companies out there that say, we're the Rapid of the Rapid of Southeast Asia, we're the Rapid of Latin America, we're the Rapid of the Middle East. Um, so it's very validating for us to realize that our original concept that we laid out uh, now almost five years ago is not only coming to fruition for ourselves, but it's coming to fruition for multiple companies out there. Um, so that's it. Thank you very much for making time and giving us the opportunity to talk a little bit about our company. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Uh, it was great having you on. Um, have a great day. Thank you. You too. Stay well. Bye-bye. You just heard my conversation with Eric Rosenthal, Vice President of Corporate Development, Strategy and Partnerships at Rapid. You can read the full transcript of our conversation on the Tearsheet website. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. As always, thanks a lot for joining me today, and I will catch you back here in two weeks. Thank you.